Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This is part of our Craft Talk Friday edition of Charlotte Readers Podcast. We're running in November, December 2021, in which we're releasing earlier Patreon episodes, Craft Talks that I've had with uh, experienced authors. Now, you may ask, what's Patreon? Well, Patreon is a place where supporters of the podcast for a few dollars a month uh, can help us help authors give voice to their written words. And in return, we provide exclusive content. There are over 100 uh, exclusive episodes available at our Patreon channel. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. But for these Fridays in November, December of 2021, we're going to be providing some of our early Patreon episodes to our general listening public. Before I introduce today's author or guest, uh, just a quick reminder that you can find out everything you need to know about Charlotte Readers Podcast at our website, charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find our show notes there. You can find uh, all the episodes uh, that we've released. Uh, you can also find our community blog and a way to sign up for the book report, which we send out to you every two weeks with information about the podcast, good books, uh, doses of inspiration, that kind of thing. And uh, hey, we don't spam you because that takes way too much time. I've got one more plug, and it's a shameless one at that. This episode is also brought to you by my own books. You can find out more about my books at LandisWade.com. We've got information there about my Christmas courtroom trilogy, the individual books, and we've also bound them together in one ebook collection if you like ebooks. My next novel, titled Deadly Declarations, is coming out next year. In the first quarter of 2022, it's a mystery. We got information about that on the website as well, landisway.com. It involves the controversial and long-missing Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. A man dies while he's writing a book about the Mech Deck, and when they find his body, the manuscript is missing. But that's enough preamble for today. I want to thank you for spending your valuable time with us. We really appreciate it. And now, let's meet the author and listen to the episode. Today's guest is author Danielle Stewart. Uh, Danielle has been on the regular podcast. She's also, uh, with this episode, been a part of our Patreon channel. Uh, Danielle's had more than 3 million books downloaded and held the number one book rank on Apple Books, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. She is an indie author. For any of you that uh, think that the only way to sell a book is to be traditionally published, not so. Danielle has uh, proven otherwise, as have many uh, successful uh, independent uh, authors. And uh, she has, uh, well, let's see here. We had her on the regular podcast for her book, The Bend in Redwood Road, which is now free to download on all major ebook vendors. Um, and it's the first in a series uh, that she's got called the uh, Missing Pieces series. It's a six-book collection that explores how easy access to DNA results by the general public can shake the foundation of a family. 
So we we talked uh, on the regular podcast about uh, bending with Rouault, but on this episode that I spent with Danielle, we talked more about marketing. And we talked a little bit about her writing to give you a foundation for what what uh, what she does with the marketing. But uh, primarily, this is an episode about marketing because authors, believe it or not, uh, whether you're traditionally published, you have a hybrid publisher, or you're doing it yourself, you've got to get out there and sell your book. You've got to find the readers. And we talked in this episode for about an hour on different techniques that uh, Danielle has used over the years. And one of the things she talks about very early on is the fact that she – works with an administrative assistant. And uh, I'm going to give a little shout out to Jennifer Tripp because uh, after that episode, I said, hey, Danielle, do you mind if I get in touch with Jennifer? And I did. And Jennifer has helped me in a lot of ways. She helped me with my Christmas uh, books. Uh, We put them together and packaged them and put them out on these promotional sites. I got downloaded a bunch of times, got a whole bunch of uh, honest reviews for the books, which was really great uh, last Christmas. And she's also helping me with... uh, uh, actually, she helped me put also um, the the three ebooks in a collection. We created a box set. We're going to try to to use for that, and then she's going to help with the new book, the uh, the novel Deadly Decorations, which is up for pre order now. You can check that out at landisway.com. Shameless plug here, but hey, I'm the podcaster host, so maybe now I can mention my book every now and then. Anyway, uh, that book is coming out uh, in uh, next year, 2022, up for pre-order now. You can check that information out. So I said, atlantisway.com. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Jennifer's been a great help with that. And as you'll hear Danielle talk, uh, it's it's nice to have someone who knows the ins and outs of the administrative side when you're coming down to putting the book together, designing it, getting it in a form that looks just like it would if it was published by a traditional publisher. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I mean, I'm in the throes right now of doing the things, uh, some of the things Danielle talked about in this episode, thinking about things. Uh, I'm working with a publicist. Uh, uh, you know, you got uh, to spend money to make money. You got to spend money to get your book out there. I'm working with the uh, wonderful Hannah LaRue of Spellbound Public Relations. Hannah is also uh, the publicist for the podcast, which has been great. She's done a wonderful job helping us get the word out about the podcast. And uh, I'm excited to be working with her, excited to be working uh, on this thing called uh, book marketing because it's all about, hey, you know, if you take the time to write a book, you kind of want people to read it. So why not get out there and talk about what you've written and try to get people interested? Let's dive into the episode and learn a little bit more about uh, this thing called book marketing with Danielle Stewart, indie author. This is Danielle Stewart. Danielle is a uh, USA Today best-selling author of over 30 books, and when we start talking, you're going to be amazed at how many books she puts out a year. But uh, first, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Landis. Yeah, so um, when we were doing the Under the Cover show and talking before and afterwards, uh, you know, we got to talking about uh, marketing, and you're you are you've made a business uh, of uh, selling books that you independently publish, and we didn't have enough time to dive into it. And I, I invited you to have this conversation. I'm so excited that you did. I'm not sure exactly. We're, maybe we're going to call this a uh, independent book marketing or independent book marketing 101 or or something along those lines. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you had to learn as you went, right? 
I did. Um, I was lucky enough to surround myself with, um, you know, social media made it easy to connect with other authors who were doing the same thing. And there was a lot of networking and a lot of talking about what was working and what wasn't. Um, so I definitely felt like there were playbooks out there. Uh, things have changed and the market changes and um, Amazon has changed. But uh, people, people are... Um, freely sharing this information, which is great. And I think it really helps to pass it on. And, you know, there's lots of room, lots of room for more books out there. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about your uh, writing career here. You, uh, you've got a number of series out there. Um, I was, I was really surprised when I asked you because you started this journey in uh, uh, only about six or seven, seven years ago. Yep, yeah. Yep. And, and you've, you've written 30 books in seven years. And so we're doing the math here, but yes. that's kind of an average of five or six books a year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, it wasn't my goal when I set out um, because I didn't know if I was capable of that. And I hadn't been hearing from too many authors that were, that were doing that quantity, but um that I would lay out a schedule and it, it really did come together. And now I, I'd say I'm probably more proficient at it than, than when I started. So we've got it down to a science now. Yeah. We probably should be having an episode on how in the world you do that, but that's probably for, for, an, right. for another day. Uh, so it's not pretty though that I don't think yeah. you could teach that it's, it's a lot yeah. of chaos. Yeah. But just a little bit about what you write so that the listeners know what we're getting into. You've had, Several different series. You've had the Piper Anderson series, the Edenville series, the Clover series, uh, the Legacy Mystery series, the Rough Order series, the Barrington Billionaires. What, what kind yes. of books are we talking about here? Give us a. So flavor. the majority of my books are would fall into suspense, romantic suspense, and then I've gone out a little bit and done just by partnering with other authors. So the Barrington Billionaire series is actually in a whole world um, that uh, you know everyone's books kind of fall under this umbrella, which was so fun, and it really gave me the opportunity to learn a new style of writing and work with great people. So I've tried to branch out in different ways. My audience tends to lean towards women's fiction and uh, romantic suspense. So I always, it's one of those things you always come back to, even though I've dabbled in some different things. So the majority of my books are, are quick, fun, um, twist and turn, you know, big plot twist kind of reads. Mm, that's great. Now you currently live in Charlotte. Uh, you, mm -hmm. you have a family, so you've got you're working from home. But yes. I think everybody's working from home during this right. time period. Right? I used to work from home alone, <laughs> and now I work from home with everybody. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure we could do a whole series on as well yes. with this thing. Yes. Um, and and we we talked about uh, you know your fear of whales on on yes. and so forth and all these different yes. things and and how you can cook but not bake. But we're going to leave mm -hmm. that to the under the cover show because sure. we've got a lot, <laughs> lot a lot of good stuff to cover cover today. Um, but but just so, you know, because there are like 10 items we're going to go over here in this independent book marketing today, one of the questions I've got out of the gate is, how do you manage the all these things with your regular writing? Because it's enough sometimes just to think about the plot, the characters, yes. the writing, the rewriting, finding the beta readers, find, you know, getting the yes. editor, you know. So how do you manage that part of it? So uh, it's different now than it was when I started. So for someone starting out, the expectation of five or six books a year 
and doing all these other steps would be hard. I partnered with people who were um, looking for the same thing I was looking for, some independent income, some flexibility with their schedule, whether it was because of family, or maybe they were already working from home and they wanted to add to what they were already doing. So I sought out people who would benefit as much as I did from flexible schedule and kind of the uniqueness of this industry. And Amazon had just changed. Kindles were only a year or two old and the, all these doors were opening. So it was really through discussion at first with people in my family, people in my network, people that were looking for those opportunities. So today, in order to do that, I have a team of people who, um, all tackle the majority of the things on this list and I write. So that that was always my goal. How do I outsource the things that are tricky or not in my wheelhouse and make it beneficial for them so that I can continue to just write. So it didn't start that way. This was sometimes it was just someone helping me out. Sometimes it was just two friends who were willing to do this or that in order to make it all work. But now it's a it's a very well-oiled machine. So I'm invested in all of these things and there we make decisions around them, but for the most part I get some sort of help on uh, the Xs and Os of most of the things on this list. Okay, so just to understand, you've got then uh, how many members of your team that help you get this thing done? Sure. So my number one, you you can call her an admin, personal assistant. It's a catch-all. And um, she's been with me since the beginning. And like I said, for those same reasons, she was looking for an avenue out of her nine to five. And she kept that job for, I think, at least the first year and a half or two years until things got going and we realized we could kind of make it work. Um, so I've got her and then, um, you know, I've got a CPA that does all the hard stuff. Um, and then for beta readers, it depends on the project, but usually I've got a rotating number of four or five people who will beta read. And I am, I think we talked about this on Under the Covers, um, I am grammatically incorrect in spelling all that. So I have <laughs> yeah. upwards of four layers of editing that go into my books as well. So so that's the basics of the team. Um, you, re I probably could benefit from like a marketing person as well, but my admin just nails it. So that's 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 the outline okay that's great so you've got you've got help but you but in order to have that help you've got to make an investment early on and so yes. when you were when you were you, i think you told me that uh early on you had to make a decision about what you're going to do with your writing and someone asked you you know what was your goal and and you you talked about the fact that there could be uh could have been for you and maybe for others that are listening now what, what is your give us some different examples of what a goal might be for a writer who's going to publish a book yeah, absolutely. Just talking to a lot of writers. Some people want the same thing I wanted, which was some independent income and some even some passive income and some real flexibility in my schedule. You know, my husband was traveling, raising a family. It made sense for, if we could, for one of us to not have a career that had us traveling. Um, but other people just want one book up on their bookshelf and genuinely want to just accomplish that. And so that's a different path. Some people want to do the traveling and the, and the conferences and to be networking with other authors and kind of sitting in those rooms and and it's not that I didn't want to do that it's just that my path didn't take me in that direction but that is a, a goal other people want to um, just express themselves creatively and talk passionately about a topic that they care about so that might be why they're writing their book so it is very diverse when I talk to people about 
when someone says, I've either written a book or I want to write a book, and we start that dialogue there, I always come back and say, what's your goal with that book? And there is a wide range of answers you can get. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, you know, there's independent publishing, there's hybrid publishing, there's traditional publishing and bookstores, independent bookstores, you know, they, um, they can, they make money when the traditional publishers put their books on the shelves and they've got somebody behind them and they're pushing them and they can sell those books. They'll sometimes, you know, they'll do the independent books sometimes on consignment or maybe they'll order them sometimes through Ingram Spark or something like that. But, uh, if you're an author who, you know, is not tied to a traditional publisher, which, you know, your business now is not, you know, you're right. running your own business. Are you engaged much with bookstores or are you mostly online? So the majority of what I do is online for sure. What I try to do is, uh, you know, um, be present in some of the local bookstores, but uh, the majority of my marketing is absolutely online. I would say 95% of my business is eBooks. Yeah, because I've heard that some uh, independently published authors who do online marketing don't even ever step foot in a bookstore. Do you do book signings? Do you do that kind of thing? So, you know, I would say the maj- even I am the outlier in that. Most people that are in my network that are um, doing what I'm doing do want to do the book signings and do want to do that stuff. I enjoy it, but for me, when I go through the my pie of time and how I'm going to spend that today, um, that's something that usually gets sliced out. And, and I miss it because I do like interacting with fans and, and doing uh, readers and doing some of that stuff. But when, like, when I slice up my time, it's usually the first thing to go. So I do try to get to um, one or two conferences a year when before we were all in quarantine. Uh, and that's mostly so that I'm learning and I'm learning the business and I'm interacting with whoever I can. Um, but for the book signings and the smaller stuff, I haven't made it a priority on my on my 10-point marketing list that I, that yeah. I try to stick to. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But I just want – how do you then engage with your – readers? Do you do it through email? Do you do it through Facebook Live? Or what do you do to engage? Social media is um, my main focus. So I try to keep a big presence on on Facebook and engaging with people, whether that's through contests, asking them questions. I have a smaller reader group where I get feedback and I talk about what book might come next and just what gauge them on, on what they thought of the last book and try to, you know, talk craft and improve different things in there. But my, my Facebook page, I think is, maybe 6,000 subscribers. My newsletter is another way that I engage people and just trying to keep it, you know, humanized because I I certainly post the highs and lows on there and what's working and what's not working in contests and just really try to stay engaged that way. And we're not going to do a whole Facebook social media thing today, but uh, to get that many followers and also to engage so that they actually see what you're posting, do you do anything extra to make sure they're seeing it because of the algorithms that Facebook uses to squash your efforts? I do. There's a lot of squashing Uh, on everything. There's quite a bit of squashing, I feel like. And you're always trying to overcome that and stay up to date. So I will occasionally like sponsor a a post and make sure that I um, am getting the amount of views. But really, I find that keeping people engaged and talking and talking about what they're doing and some funny memes and that kind of stuff really keeps the page active enough so that when I want to post about my latest release, people are already have been engaging enough to to get some hits back on that. All right. Well, that's great. So we're going to um, let's dive into the to your 10 points here. And I might have a 
few questions as we go along and uh, also maybe a few extra uh, questions at the end about other ideas. But uh, sure. I, I find it interesting that uh, your very first point, you're giving something away. <laughs> yeah, and that is usually the biggest roadblock when talking to a aspiring author or a new author because I've never worked so hard as the amount of work that I've put into my first book. There was so much learning. There was so much editing and all this process. And the idea of taking that 70 or 80,000 words and then giving it away, it was the first time someone said that to me, I thought, no way. I am not giving this book away. It was I, I poured everything into it. But then when I started to, um, you know, I was going to more um, WebEx meetings and I was learning more about the business, I realized that it's not about you can write the best book, but if nobody reads it, it you, they're not going to get the next book and the next book. So it really was about exposure. And, and readers um, are reluctant sometimes to try a brand new author. They want to go with what they know. So giving nothing sells better than free, I think is what we came back to. And we said that is how we are going to um, sell the rest of the series is to give them a taste of the first book and let them kind of try before they buy and then um, count on that read through um, when it comes to income. So uh, we were able to reach a really broad audience right out of the gate. And we um, it's easier to get some of these paid promotion sites when the book is free. You know, uh, somebody is very happy to share your free book and get it out there for you. And then um, it's also a great way to get reviews. So if you're if you're getting ten thousand copies downloaded, uh, you're you can expect a certain amount of reviews are going to come back in. And reviews are such a powerful thing today that really help drive um, sales. All right. Well, let's talk about the pros and cons of this very first item because you title it first in a series permanently free. Yes. Uh, so let's do the pros and the cons. Sure. So uh, I, if I use my first book as an example, I was able to get, um, I think, probably between sixty and 70,000 downloads out of the gate on a free book by pairing that with an investment. So that's the other challenge. So now not only are you giving your book away, you also have to spend some money to eventually make that money back. So it was a big trust factor in myself. And a big, I felt like I was on the edge of that cliff saying, all right, I'm going to take something, take some money and put it towards that. So I paid for a BookBub ad and some and a lot of promos. Um, I paid for a cover designer, not a lot, but just enough to, to make it a high quality. And I made sure that that book was edited so that I probably invested between maybe $1,500 on my first book, and then gave it away for free um, with the hopes that the second book would be um, received well as well. Uh, so, and then the reviews started coming in because with that 60 and 70,000 downloads, people were reading it, I was getting feedback, and it was reviewed, you know, very well. And I think that helps drive people into the second book. The cons are that pain point of saying, I can't believe I did all this work and it's, and it's, you know, not technically making us anything yet. And then um, one thing that we do with our permanently free books is have a cliffhanger. And not everyone loves cliffhangers. So you do tend to sometimes, you know, I would say maybe between three and 5% of my reviews were based on the fact that people were not crazy about getting to the end of a book and having to wait for the next book. So that when I was starting, and I was very sensitive to feedback, um, you know, that was something I had to kind of get comfortable with that 
some people were not going to like the fact that they're waiting for the next book. So you're saying these, this is a full-blown novel, not a novella, and it's got a cliffhanger, doesn't have a resolution? So the main story always resolves. So okay, I always right. resolve the main story, but okay. then, um, you know, I might post the first chapter of the second book. Okay, and, and, right. and so then you're kind of stuck. So I do give them closure, um, but I always have a hook at the end that kind of lets you at least know what where the next book is leading. And So, so if I took this, I would say it's sort of like you're writing a book, you've got closure, but you're giving them the inciting incident, the first chapter of the next yes. book to yes. pull, to pull them in, right? Yes. That <laughs> okay. missing character walks in or, yeah. you know, something happens that hopefully want, hooks them and makes them want to read that next book. Okay. So this may be a dumb question, but you've got a, uh, you, you, you talked about, uh, you've written the book, you've made it free. Um, how do you make it free enough so that people will find it and download it because you know just putting a book out there doesn't mean even though it's free that people are going to do it and you can't I don't think you can put a book up for free on regular Amazon right you have to do something special right yes so the process uh, that we use and I I mean I just put a book free um, three weeks ago and it's the same process it's always been and and so they've been pretty consistent on this so we put the book up wide on all other vendors so iBooks um, Barnes and Noble Kobo and we market free there because those vendors allow you to market free and then Amazon through their algorithms will notice that it is free on other vendors you can also um kind of indicate there uh, you can say like i've seen this for a lower price underneath the book and and show them where it was lower and then it takes somewhere between three three days and sometimes up to two weeks before amazon says whoa whoa, whoa we, if it's free over there we're going to make it free over here and they'll mark the price down to free for you hmm. interesting so you can do that uh, even with an existing series that's out there. You could take it. Absolutely. To, yes. Yeah. Okay. And is that something you recommend doing to, to authors who've written more than one book in a series to go back and make their first book free? I do. I, if you can if you can swallow that pill and, and say mm-hmm. this is worth it in the long run, I think what it does, I look at it as opening doors. A lot of the other things, these other nine points on the list work because the first in the series book is free. And to me, it's it's the difference between, you know, I might get 200 people to buy and read my book one. And then if my sell through rate is only 10%, I know where that's going. But if I can get, I, we've had three and a half million free books downloaded from using this process. So that uh, that's a much broader audience. And it allows us to hopefully, whatever percentage of those people in, enjoyed the book, go on and read the other books in the series or try a different series. So I guess I'm hearing sort of two, two reasons for the free is that is you're going to, Maybe it's going to drive reviews, and then also it's going to drive people to the next book. So this is clearly a funnel-designed yes. mechanism, right? You, yes. It's not going to work on the single novel. You can't, right. You can't give your novel away for free and make any That's money. That's right. 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 You, you really do have to be committed to that book two and three and know that you're going to write them. And, and to be honest, um, the biggest learning curve for me was making sure – you lose a lot of people if book two isn't ready. Now, it doesn't have to be ready to go and live, but you should at least have a title for it that you can put the name of in the back of the first book so or a link to the pre-order, something like that, so that you're capturing people, those first 60,000 people who download the book, 
they will forget about book two if you haven't added them to your newsletter or connected with them on Facebook. So making sure that book two is in at least uh, in conception and that you can um, give them some information about it is really helpful. I lost, I lost that in my first few tries at this where I would kind of give the first book away and, and start the second book. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, readers are just ready to move on to something else if you don't grab them right away. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Do you, do you write out, how many books do you write out in the series before you start putting the first one out for free? So I, I like to have, I, oh, this is perfect, I just did this. So um, I like to be about a quarter of the way into the second book um, before the first book goes free. And the reason I do that is that's usually where I, I have a really good formulation of that it's all going to work, it makes sense, I'm going to be able to write through the rest of this. And then I put that book two on pre-order so that there is a link in the back of book one and readers, when they finish it, can directly go and pre-order the second book. Um, and that seems to capture the most people as having the link readily available for a pre-order. All right, so let's um, let's go to item two here because... Um... You mentioned BookBub, I think, uh, a moment ago, and, and mm -hmm. let's talk talk about BookBub for a second. What it is, what it does, what the pros and cons are of BookBub.com. Sure. So my initial um, feeling about BookBub as a new author was it's not in my budget. And people were saying, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And, and these people that I really respected and who were doing well in the industry kept saying you have to do it. But the average cost can be between five and seven hundred dollars. Now, that was included in that initial investment I made into my book. So that fifteen hundred dollars between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars. That is what um, that included the money that I spent on BookBub. But just like giving the book away, it was hard for me to swallow the idea of making this bigger investment. But it was a game changer for me. So um, BookBub reaches 15 million readers. They target by what the reader says their favorite genre is, who, what are other authors they like. And so when your book comes on a list, it's coming from a very credible source. Readers really trust it because BookBub only selects discounted books that are well-reviewed. You don't have to have a lot of reviews, but they have to be quality reviews. And... Um, so people trust it. And then if the book is free, it's pretty easy to click. So um, I ran a BookBub four weeks ago, and this is the second time the book was in BookBub, and I had 30,000 downloads off of that on the free book. Um, that series has three books in the series, and I saw an immediate return on investment on the other books after the first one was downloaded. So this is what I started using on book one, and not many things have lasted the seven years. BookBub has lasted the seven years. I still continue to use it today as a promotion site. Okay, a couple of questions. Uh, when you say they only take discounted books, um, you're, you're not. If you're doing eBooks, you're probably not pricing them very high to begin with, right? So right. when you say discount, tell me what the the list price is for an ebook and what sure. the discount is. So like the book that I just ran, the list price is three ninety nine, but it's a permanently free book for me, so it's always free. Um, they see BookBub will see that it's originally three ninety nine and marked down to free. But a lot of people start at three ninety nine and they might mark down to ninety nine cents to get the promotion. Um, and BookBub 
picks those up as well. Those tend to be a higher cost. It's cheapest to run a free book in BookBub, but within, you know, two hours of running it, I've kind of made that money back on book two, three, and four in the series. So again, this strategy works best if you are promoting really more than just that one book. It's still great for exposure if it's within your marketing budget to get a book out in front of a lot of people, but that trickle down funnel really is the best way to work with BookBub. All right. It sounds like it's a good return on investment if you've got several books ready to go mm -hmm. and, you, and you get the first one accepted. But the question is, what if BookBub doesn't like your first book, but they like your second or your third book? Or how do you get your books into BookBub? So it's kind of a mystery. I don't know what's behind the curtain there because I have, um, I submit, they have a rotating schedule. So one book can only be in every six months. So this title can only be in now, and then I can submit it again in six months if I'd like to. As an author, I can submit a book every 30 days to BookBub, different titles. I uh, One month, they might pick a book up. Uh, that I suggest, I can sometimes go four or five months of just continually being like turned down by BookBub. Either they have their mailers ready already, doesn't fit a genre that they're that they're looking for. So um, I've had stretches where I, I can't get in there, um, even though some of my, my um, books have been successful. So there's a lot of I'm not sure what goes on behind the curtain there, and I don't know what the selection process is. They seem to um, know what they need on each newsletter and kind of pick that way. So, uh, you know, I wish I knew what their decision making was, but I do know that their website kind of details the fact that it should be, I, I have seen that anything with more than 25 reviews that are relatively positive and you're marking the book down and you have a great blurb on there and the cover looks high quality, you know, good quality on the cover. Um, that's your best chance of getting in. All right, so those 25 reviews, in order to have those before you go to BookBub, mm -hmm. are you going out to, to get beta readers? Just, I mean, are you putting it out there mm -hmm. and getting endorsements yeah. first? Talk about so, that. So book one is different. Book one is mom, dad, brother, sister, like everybody. Everyone right. in your network is is reviewing book one for you. Um, ha it's, it's, um, it, it's really, I think, the only way – to gain some of that credibility and let people know that it's a great um, chance to, to read a new author is to really go out to whoever's in your network. I, I mean, I started my Facebook page early on in my first book, and yeah, those first 30 people on my Facebook page are all my friends and family. Um, but BookBub changed that. You know, then more people were coming in after that when I had more downloads. But it really took that very grassroots effort on the first book and and, and having people support you. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't really buy anything that doesn't have reviews. And I think we've all been trained that way now. It's such a commodity to have um, other people's opinion before you go ahead and, and try something new. So do you then... Uh so-called launch your book and put it out on all these platforms, put your list price on there, and then you're then you're trying to get into uh, BookBub after you've started building up some reviews yes. and that kind of thing? Yes, and there are, I, I mentioned a little bit further down, but there are also smaller um, paid promotions, things that cost 15 and $10 that will absolutely um, take your free book when you submit it and give you a date and run it. And you may get between... Um, 200 and 2,000 downloads on that book, which is still a great start. And that's going to help you get some of your reviews. So BookBub is something that 
should be in your marketing budget and it should be a goal, but you've got to be really strategizing when and how to use that so that your, um, your ROI makes, makes good sense there. Yeah. And, and I, I think this is valuable to people that are listening, but I, I can tell you as a, you know, with the, as an independently published author, one, one of the things that's frustrating is trying to figure out, you know, all this, the non-secret secrets here, you know, in, yes. ter- in terms of how to get these things done. And then you're, you're sort of overwhelmed with getting the book out itself or the yes. next book out itself that just trying to work through and figure out all these technical pieces can be a bit challenging and overwhelming. That's uh, Maybe that's why you hired somebody to t- kind of dive into that for you. I did. And yeah. um, also getting into Facebook groups um, that are geared towards independent authors. Like I said, people freely share information, which you do not always find in every industry. So I really do like that about this. Um, you know, you can normally find a post about how do I make, how do I list my book as free? How do I, you know, get into BookBub? What do you know? And, and so, um, I've had a few really success i'm part of i'm more of just a viewer for the most part in these groups and you can mine so much good information out of them but you're right it's its own part of the business it's it's you know so if you're taking that on as an independent author and you're doing that on your own you do have to set aside a good amount of time to just learn that side of it but the good thing is it hasn't changed much in seven years and once you get it down it seems like knock on wood um you know, you can apply it to most of your um, releases. Well, it sounds like uh, BookBub is something definitely worth uh, investing in um, and, and putting some time and effort into. Let's move to number three here, paid promotion sites on an organized rotating schedule. Tell, yes. me, tell me what we're talking about there and talk about the pros and cons of that. Sure. So if BookBub is not, if you're not ready for BookBub, you don't have book two lined up, you're, or you do, but you're just, it's not in your marketing budget, there are lower cost paid promotion sites that are similar. They just have less subscribers. So an email about your book is going to go directly to interested readers. And these are targeted readers. These are people who are, um, who have signed up for this and are waiting for these emails to find their next read. So that's the pro of it. Um, you can also use these more frequently than BookBub. They don't have such stringent policies about one book running only every six months. They have varying um, uh, things where maybe you can only run a book every 30 days. or So you do have to keep on, on that. So why I said an organized and rotating schedule is because if um, I have right now, let's say I have six books that are free and there are about seven small paid promotion sites that we use, my um, assistant rotates them regularly through all of these sites. Then if I have a BookBub, I stack these other promotions with those. So my book's going to run in BookBub. I'm also going to do Book Gorilla, Free Booksy, Fussy Librarian, Robin Reads, these smaller ones, all at the same time for that book. So I'm really trying to charge my way into the top 100 free books on Amazon because that is people shop there. So once you're in that top 100 free books on Amazon, it can kind of be, you know, a self-fulfilling thing there where okay, now if I stay there for a couple of weeks, when people are shopping there, they'll see that I'm in that top 100 free, so it can have some sustainability too. And I'm sure that helps you sell your other books too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. there's that trickle down there. So it's just about making sure that you it doesn't do great to just wing it on these you really need to say, 
all right, well, now let's focus on this free book that kicks off this series, and let's submit to all of them. Let's get the date that it's approved and make sure that we are um, staying on top of that. So it does take work, and it takes an organized person, which I am not, so I have tried to find help. But again, this can be something. This doesn't have to be an assistant that you hire. This can be... Um, a side job for someone who you know who is really organized who's willing to take this on for a flat rate and say oh I'll manage your you know small promotion sites and 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 keep this schedule for you so you'll be surprised what people are willing to do they want you to be successful and they want it to work well for you yeah how do you find those people so uh, for me, I looked around in my life. That's where I started. I, I had a lot of people who were, who were having children at the same time as me who were maybe not going back to work or um, people who had been recently laid off who were just kind of looking for something in between. And it, you, they have to know, you have to know their skill set. There's definitely a trust factor there. And I never went into anything with a big commitment. It was always, let's try this for a month. Um, let's, you know, and let's see how you feel about it. And that open dialogue of like, I hated that. I do not want to do that again. Or, you know, it just wasn't a good fit or whatever. So it, it can be very challenging, but keeping yourself open to the idea that People, people surprisingly, especially depending on where the market is and how things are in the world, are always looking for these extra kind of opportunities. And, and you can find great people that you already know who can help. Now, as you're budgeting, you actually mentioned uh, that your BookBub cost, you said, that can run somewhere between $500 and $700 on a free book was included in the $1,500 you were spending. Was that budget, did that include your uh, production of the book? Because I'm thinking if you're, hiring an outside editor or you're hiring someone to design your book cover or you're hiring someone to format your book both for paperback and for ebook that seems like a low number to me well we had to be creative for the first few books it's not the number today um but it is when i was getting started that's what i had to spend so a lot of it was going to an editor and saying you know so i was in these network of authors and i'd say who who are you guys using for editors so it would start with like my two friends who were english teachers and the book would go through that funnel and then it would kind of go up a layer and say like, oh, okay, and this is what I've done to, to clean that up. And then I'm listening, literally listening to the book playback in audio so that I can pick up anything that doesn't. So I'm, I was trying, I went to an editor um, and at the time, I think it was probably about $500. Um, and I, and I said, I'm going to give you the cleanest version I can of this book. And can you work in this price range? Can you do this for about $500 for this book? You know, here's my plan. Here's mm -hmm. what, here's my trajectory. Here's what I'm hoping. And I was lucky that the answer to that was yes. Um, so there was, there was some negotiating cover design. I found somebody who was kind of at the same starting point as I was, had a great um, aptitude for it where I had none. And we negotiated a series of books. I said, well, I plan to have six books in the series and here's what I can pay per book, but at least you know there's this many coming. So it was it was some some business savvy that yeah. I don't think I really had, but uh, you know, we were just kind of figuring it out. Now, the industry was just kind of starting to explode, so I don't know now where that would be um, if people would be willing to negotiate. But normally, if you can find somebody who's starting the same journey as you, but has different skills than you, you can you can get quite a bit done with that, that amount of money. All right, tell us about item four on your list. 
Sure. So at some point, I exhaust most of my marketing tools on a series. So a series that I wrote six or seven years ago um, and has run in BookBub, you know, maybe between five and seven times, um, it's harder to get an audience for that or maybe a new audience for that, I should say. And maybe BookBub won't pick it up anymore because it's run so many times. So at some point, as I look at the sales on a full series and I look at my entire marketing strategy and I say, I feel like we've done everything we can with this. We bundle the series together into, um, I don't know if you've seen like the book bundles where it might be um, right. five books all together. And then we put it in KU. I don't do a lot with KU on new series. I kind of keep those Kindle Unlimited, I'm sorry, open to um, everyone on Apple and everyone in Nook. I like to kind of sell them wide to all of, uh, of the vendors. Okay, can, but, I, can I stop you there sure. just to yeah, exp explain here? Uh, Kindle Unlimited, if you, if you put your book there, they don't want you putting it anywhere else, right? That's the deal. Right, so you are exclusive with them at that point um, for that series. And they do, um, you, you can't get by that. They have algorithms, they're watching it. They they are, and, and you, you there's some serious consequences if you do try to sell the book in other places rather than just with them. But the advantages are that they're, uh, I look at Kindle Unlimited similar to Netflix. Uh, you pay one price and you get access to a lot of content. And there are readers who that might be what's in their budget is to pay that flat right, but they're voracious readers and they're a book a day reader. And so they're really getting bang for their buck there. Um, so someone who may not have uh, come through my series and, and paid between $2.99 and $3.99 a book for the follow-up books may find that a bundled book together that they can get free with their subscription is interesting to them. And so um, a lot of people who like to binge series and binge books are Kindle Unlimited readers. So that's usually my phase two for a series. Um, and we've been doing that for about a year and it's been really successful. The way Kindle Unlimited works because the subscription is um, paid for by the reader. You don't get per se paid for that book. You get paid for pages read out of kind of a big pot. So it's it's an interesting concept. I guess it would be like episodes watched on Netflix if the if the producers got paid for each episode that got watched on Netflix. That's kind of how it translates in Kindle Unlimited. Now, now your books are available online in, in a paperback form and an ebook form. Is that right? Correct. So what's the difference in the pricing for the paperback and the ebook and and how much do you how many paperbacks do you sell or is it mostly ebooks it's minimum so 95 percent of my business is all ebook um the five percent that i do sell um i price them usually between 9.99 and 12.99 depending on the length um the the last series the book really lent itself to like a hardcover. It was it was a little bit more of stronger in women's fiction. There was a little bit less of the suspense. It felt more like a book you'd kind of take to the coffee shop and read. So um, we went a little bit further with that, and um, that one's priced I think at fifteen ninety nine. But it's the the hardback, and and that one's been great. Uh, but but the majority of my business is going to be through um, ebook. Okay, great. Let's talk about. Uh something that people might understand a little better, newsletters and email mm -hmm. and emails. So how do you use a, a newsletter um, and what kind of email service do you use and what are some of the things you do with email? Sure. So someone told me really early on, I think I was at a conference and someone said, 
the best way to market and the best way to stay connected with your audience is directly in their e uh, email box. So that really made sense to me. My husband's in a different industry, but that was true in his industry as well. It's the best way to keep connected directly with people who are interested in your, um, your books. So for me, I have a website. On my website, there's a sign-up box to join um, my newsletter. And then uh, another really important place that I put it is in the back of all of my books because sometimes they get to the end of a book and I direct them there electronically to um, sign up if they are interested in that. So um, it's also great to have data around that. We use Aweber today and um, there are free sites. Uh, Aweber does have a charge. I, I just honestly picked it because other people I knew were using it seven years ago. But it has proven to, when I compare it to some of the other sites out there, I like the amount of um, data I can gather from it and really understand who's signed up and and who opens emails and who doesn't and what they like. Some of the free services can lack that. But if I was getting started today and my budget was a concern, I would probably use something more like MailChimp, um, which I think is a, a free service where you can do a lot of the same things. Yeah, I think uh, MailChimp's only free up to a certain number. I use it for the podcast. And so you have a monthly fee, but it does provide, you know, uh, statistics and information right. like that. I, I guess um, one question I've got is how often do you put out your newsletter and what are you saying in your newsletter other than just preaching that you've published another book and that kind of right. thing? So um, I do run contests through the newsletter, which is really fun, and it keeps engagement up. Uh, it kind of tells the Google machine that these are good emails and people like them because they're replying and they're sending information back or they're clicking these links. So I've found that sending um, emails that not require but encourage and make fun, like make uh, the engagement fun drives up the open rates. So I try to send no more than two emails a month. Um, one email will usually be, here's what I've got coming out, or if I've just created one of those bundles that are now in KU. But I try to put as much information into one as possible so that they they can see which part of the email they're most drawn to, like, oh, I'm a KU reader, I'm going to click down here and go do that. But I do try to stack maybe two or three, whether it's releases or pre-orders or whatever that is, in one email so that I'm not having to send those individually as information comes out. And then, yeah, I might run a contest that says, what's your favorite this or what that or have you left a review and, and you know, enter to win here. And that keeps the emails kind of... Um, Fun and interesting, but we are definitely, I would say, even seven years in, still in learning mode. This is so nuanced. Uh, newsletters and what you put as your subject line and who you're targeting, there is a lot that we are barely scratching the surface of. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to, um, Aweber has had these great WebExes during this time while everyone's working from home, and we have jumped in on those in the last 30 days, and I, I'm sure the information that we've learned um, has really already improved our list. So we're not experts there, but but having the subscribers there um, has really helped at least stay in touch. We just need to learn the, the nuanced, really, science to it, because there is a science to it. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, so this next one's interesting to me as well. Uh, foreign language translation and audiobooks. Uh, tell us... Uh, Tell us about your titles that are now in foreign languages. 
Yeah, so this was not on my radar in the first three years of my business. Um, I The cost was out of range for, for what I was doing. Then at some point, the cost was still out of range for what I was doing, but I was looking for that kind of passive income. The book's already written. Um, I don't have to create new content. I just have to get it put in different formats. And so I kind of waited, and I waited to see how other people's return on investment was going. So if I'm going to spend $1,000 to make this audiobook, at what point do I break even? How's that market going? And audio was really growing when I when I jumped into it. And um, Audible and ACX, the company which um, is associated with Amazon for making the audiobooks, is very user-friendly. It is very intuitive. I had zero experience in this and was able to produce um, audiobooks within, you know, 60 days. It was really a fascinating process. And I will say of everything I've ever done, because I was an audiobook listener for most of my life, nothing was more exciting than hearing my book in audio for the first time. It was really, it was great because that's how I love to listen. All right, let me go back just a second to audiobooks sure. before we go foreign languages here. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned $1,000 to get an audio. That seems low to me to get an audiobook produced. Where do you go to get an audiobook produced? It's incredibly affordable okay. and intuitive. So um, you are going to look for, you're going to go on to acx.com, and this is the platform. Um, if you have a book on Amazon, you're already linked into this. They're, they're uh, associated with each other, and they're going to find your title and your ISBN number and all that stuff and just import it into ACX. And what you do is you take maybe the first chapter of the book and you upload it there. And then producers start coming to you. So um, they they are going to say it's um, $125 per finished recorded hour for me to do it. And then they'll read that first chapter so you can hear what you think about their voice and if they're doing the characters right and if it's what you expected. And I, the first book I put up, I had maybe 75 narrators come on and pitch to me that they wanted to do it. Um, you know, that boils down to maybe three that I felt hit the nail on the head and were the right voices and dialect and all of that. My first book was very kind of Southern and I knew what I wanted for it. And um, everything is based on per finished hour of the recording. So they give you a rate. If it's 70,000 words, they think it's going to come in right around here. And um, you get the first 15 minutes recorded and you approve it if it works, or you can go back and say, you know, you actually have the ability to communicate with them and say, that's not what I thought that character would sound like. Can you try this? It's fascinating and fun. Um, <laughs> so like, dir- dir- like directing your own play, right? It is so fun. It was really just a great experience. And these these are, um, I'm sure there are people who are just starting out on, on ACX, and you might get a lower um, per finished hour from them. Probably on my first book, uh, you know, I, I was looking at budget the most and, and what that was. And so it might have made the pool a little bit smaller of who I could pick from. But um, but yeah, so 1000 is probably the most conservative you can be, but you can definitely do it for that rate. Um, but it can go up to, you know, $1,800 for somebody who, if you have a, a narrator, well, I'm sorry, it can go up to $10,000 for right. if you have somebody who you just can't do the book without this particular narrator. Um, but I haven't found that there's an enormous amount of loyalty to narrator. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think readers are necessarily seeking out a certain narrator as much as they are just going through the series of books that they enjoy. 
So um, yeah, I, I recommend this to everybody if it's in your budget. One, it's an exciting process. Audio, I think, is growing as an industry. I think people are, um, whether it be podcasts, audiobooks, people are kind of filtering that into their everyday lives. So um, I have found that I, when it started, my return on investment was um, 8 to 12 months, which doesn't feel great. But then after that, it's passive income. I had to do nothing. I didn't have to write a new book. I didn't have to do anything. It's just become a new revenue stream and a new way to reach a reader who maybe doesn't pick up the book and just wants the audio. So you produce it through ACX.com and then you, mm-hmm. you can you put it up on Audible like you put up a, a book and you get paid a royalty based upon downloads, that kind of thing? Is that how it Exactly. Works? Yeah. It has changed dramatically over the years. I will say it used to be a lot more lucrative than it is today. Um, the royalties structure has changed dramatically. So uh, but I still find that it's it's a good it's a good investment. But yeah, ACX and Amazon and again you have to make some decisions about whether you want to do a profit share with the the narrator or if you want to just pay them all up front. That's another way to keep the cost down. If you really don't have that initial investment, you can also do um, kind of a profit share with the narrator. So as the book starts to make money, you split that with them. It's really, I, it's much more attainable and much more intuitive than I ever would have imagined to be able to get through that process. Yeah, okay, just quickly before we hit uh, number seven here, just touch b- quickly on the uh, foreign market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you had some of your books translated uh, into German, I see, and yes. uh, sold them. How, how did that go? So German translation is a real, that market is growing exponentially, and to be um, get visibility there is not challenging it's not it's it is challenging but you can penetrate that market right now really well if you can have a book um translated there the problem there is cost it's between four thousand and five thousand dollars to get it translated and the 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 um break-even point on that is usually between six and twelve months but again if you then after that you've got those books out there and then you've got that revenue stream so it's not again not something i was doing three years into the business it was more like five years into the business i kind of took that leap okay number seven uh and you may have touched on some of this a little bit giveaways incentives and contests yeah so when we talk about how do we get people to sign up for the newsletter how do i get them to follow me on facebook how do we drive some of that engagement uh you know i think incentives are awesome it can be a signed book it can be a gift card it can be something from a local market from where i am people love that stuff and and it has always worked really well okay number eight uh Talk about promo codes. Uh, we see those all the time. You know, if you've got a promo code, put it in. So mm-hmm. how does this work in your business? Yeah, so these I feel like are like a gem, little known secret um, for, for authors. So um, the vendors give you, they want you to give your product away to try to drive um, more engagement on their sites. So a good example is iBooks or Apple gives you 250 free codes per book. Um, so not my free books, because those are already free, but for book two, when I put book two out, I have 250 free codes that I can um, give away uh, and they can go, Apple readers can go grab those. On Audible, if you produce an audiobook, then you have a a hundred free copies to give away on that to kind of get some momentum going on the books. So I distribute them through social media, on my newsletter, Barnes and Noble um, does some coupon codes that you can um, 
put a promo out on. So this is just utilizing what's already there to continue to get your book out to new people, to get those reviews up and all that. So, so if you just search, and this is, again, this is the technical side. Where do I find them? What do I do? But that information's out there. Now that you know the promo codes exist, you can kind of Google search and say, how do I get my promo codes? How do I give them out? The, the, the downside of it, it can be time consuming to track who you gave codes to and how many you have left and making right. sure that you're doing it in an organized way. But we have a ton of success right now. My newsletter, um, after you subscribe in 30 days, you get an automated uh, message from me where I offer you one of these codes. And so that that's been working out really well, too. So it goes to a, a Google form and my admin goes in and then issues the code to somebody. It's 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 really just very cyclical and trying to keep people um, engaged. That's great. All right. Number nine. We talked a little bit about this mm -hmm. before, but uh, let's just hit it again. You talked about back matter. Um, now, you know, sometimes... If someone writes a book and then they write a sequel and then they write a third one and maybe a fourth one, the first time around, they're not thinking about putting in the back of the book that next book. So do you suggest right. they then go back and update that book and reference the next book? Yes. So if you're doing mostly an ebook business like I'm doing, it can be time consuming. And then when you get 30 books, it's incredibly time consuming to go into all 30 books on different vendors and add that you just released a new book. Um we have found it's worth it. Uh, the just reader behavior is you get to the end of the book and to have uh, your back matter there saying, sign up for my newsletter, here's the link to the next book. And I also go in and put the first chapter of the next book back there as well, or or the prologue or, or one of those things. So back matter is incredibly valuable because that's where your reader gets to at the end and you can lose them quickly if they just close that book and go on to something else. So um, you, it is, I don't want to say it's a full-time job, but it is time consuming. You've got to get it down to a science, but it's worth doing in my opinion. It really drives people where you it points them where you want them to go. Yeah, and sometimes there's some formatting issues you have to deal with there when you're uh, doing that and uh, for, for what's going for the ebook to make sure that it formats right so they can actually click through and yes. get get to where you're going to go. So you've got to have somewhere for them to go to right. <laughs> when, you, when you put the back matter. It's kind of it's that cart before the horse thing, right? It you is. Gotta, <laughs> yes, and yeah. my admin swears by vellum. Um, that's what she uses for, she does my formatting and, um, that is, I guess I wouldn't know a thing about it. If you showed it to me, I wouldn't even know what it looks like, but she swears by it. And apparently that really helps. It almost creates a template for all the books. Um, so you can kind of plug in the information there. Okay. So, um, great tip so far. Number 10, uh, talk about number 10. Yeah, so these, I tried to focus on little known things or things that people might be overlooking. And this is definitely one that I think people are overlooking. So um, BookBub, even if you're not promoting with them, you can be an author on their site and you can have a follow me option there. So I think I've got maybe 15,000 people who have decided to click the follow me option on BookBub. And so when I release a new book, BookBub, um, I can go in there and I can say, let these 15,000 people know that a new book has come out. And so you have an email as a reader that's coming from a very credible source, a, a site that you like, and now it's tied to a book that I'm releasing. So um, when I'm giving away codes or having a contest, something that I might ask people to do is go to BookBub and follow me on BookBub. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, I think it's overlooked a lot. And um, 
Also, your author profile on Amazon has a follow me button. I follow all the authors that I love. And this way, same thing, I get a very very great email from a credible source, Amazon, every time um, an author that I follow puts out a new book or has a release or has a pre-order up. So it's kind of almost outsourcing your um, promotions to great already existing websites, but you've got to get people to follow and like you there first. But once it's done, it's it's very effective. So just to be clear, you're saying you're, I, I remember putting an author profile up on Amazon at some point. Mm-hmm. When you say a follow me button, are you giving them an email address? What are you giving them? That they... So right under your name and your picture right. on Amazon is a little yellow rectangle and it says, follow me or follow the author. And so, um, I drive people there. So I might have a contest and say, guys, we're doing a gift card or some signed books. Just make sure you go and follow me on my author page. And I'll put the link to my Amazon um, author page and people will go. Now, I get no data there. I don't know how many people follow me. I don't know anything like that. But I do know when I release a book there, they get this push email directly from Amazon that I don't have to do any work or anything for um, just because they follow me on that site. Okay. So it's basically if you're going to be putting out more books on that site, if they follow you, they're going to learn about the next book. Okay. Right. Right. All right. So we got uh, this. This is great. We've got uh, ten suggestions. Uh, you know, we start out with uh, doing all this hard work, and we put something out for free, and mm-hmm. uh, and then mm-hmm. and then we try to get our book on BookBub, and uh, we also go to the uh, other paid promotion sites and try to get our books uh, on those sites as well. Um, then we have the you know, when it when time goes by, you get on the back list and you do the box sets. You, and at that point, you go Kindle Unlimited because at this up to this point, you're trying to spread your work around uh, on different platforms. Right. Um, and then you have uh, this, uh, you know, stay in touch uh, the old fashioned way, uh, email newsletters, and uh, you're you're not just talking about latest releases, but you're offering contests. You're offering promo codes, you're offering ways for people to engage. Mm-hmm. You, you've done the foreign book thing and you've done that for fun, but you really had fun doing audiobooks, and you'd recommend that to, to people to, to play with. Uh, yes. And then giveaways, incentives and contests. And uh, then you have the, uh, we just talked about the back matter and the follow me option. So um, is this all, you know, sometimes people ask, well, what, what's, what's the best thing to do, you know, but, but it, you've got a whole system here. So sure. it's, you know, if you had to drop several off the list and focus on just a couple, what would you be focusing on? So this is the biggest barrier. Write the next book. So you can never sell an unfinished book, but you can fix an imperfect book. You can run it through a process. You can rewrite it. You can talk and collaborate with people. So the best advice I've ever gotten and the advice I always give is write the next book. This stuff is all very important, um, or it has been to my path. But to me, it is always about that next book in the series, which is how I ended up with 30 in, in the amount of time. So, yeah, you, can, you, you can't sell an unfinished book, but you can work on and fix and improve uh, uh, an imperfect book. So Danielle, we featured your book, The Bend and Redwood Road. It's a uh, it's an, an interesting story um, about secrets that relate to an unusual adoption. Where years later, the mother who gave up her baby girl and the daughter who was adopted have to sort of reckon with how their lives uh, unfolded, and they're going to come together and lots of secrets and so forth. Um, and the f- interesting thing to me about this is we're re- doing this episode and we get through. And I'm talking to you about, and you've already passed on 
you're, you're into the right. next book and the next book. Uh, just, just talk about how, you know, you, you just keep things moving here because you probably have another couple of books. You'll have it on book, but you know, right. Right. So um, part of that process, again, I'm under no illusions that the reason that works is because I have a really good team that allows me to focus on writing while uh, they are kind of propping up and making sure the business is going well. And they're following those schedules and rotating the books that are free and keeping the content uh, in front of people. So I really am able to write and write quickly and then on the other side of not just the people doing the marketing, I've got a really great editing team and beta readers who will just come back and say, oh, I hated that. Like, no, I didn't want this to happen. And so I've got this dialogue with people who, again, just continue to help me improve the books and where they want the story to go. So that's that's really how I can keep that pace because and I'm excited about the books as they go, and, and I'm excited about the feedback as it comes in and how to improve it. So it's really about having a good su- a support team on both sides of what I'm doing, on the writing side and the business side. Well, you're very successful with this. I, I take my hat off to you for, for this whole... Well, thank cause you. Because you're, you're still, even though you're writing and you're not doing some of this, stuff, you're managing the rest of this, and you've got to understand how it works. And I'm sure that at the time your brain gets full and you're just like... Uh, let me let me out of here. I got. Yes. I just want to go. I just want to go write. I, I Absolutely, because wanna... the writing is the fun part. The going, right. you know, going in the cave and and just putting the words on the paper. That's the part I really love. And and what the part of marketing that I'm still very involved in is the new stuff. So trying to source really new what's happening in the business. I do try to stay on the cutting edge of that because it does change quickly. So that's when we have our powwows and say like, hey, I heard of this new marketing site. I think there was one literally yesterday that was like book spry or something and finding out who's using it and does it work and should we try it out and so those are the the conversations we're still having in between that i find very boring and mostly my team says don't touch anything like don't (laughs) i'm not helpful in like any of this don't touch the buttons don't touch the spreadsheet i know where my place is that's that's great well you know, if we wait another six months or so to get you back on the show, you'll probably have 40 right. books, books by then. We can talk some, about some more things that you've learned since right. then. Right, Yeah. Well, uh, Danielle, thanks so much for taking the time to share uh, your wisdom. This is uh, excellent uh, information for anyone who's going to be trying to promote their, um, you know, work. It's, uh, it's a lot to take in, you know, but uh, it's things that you need to know if you're going to be an independently published author and you want to kind of get a return on your investment if that's one of your goals um, doesn't have to be but if it is that you know then you probably want to be trying to implement uh, some of these uh, tactics here so thanks so much for sharing sharing uh, all your wisdom it's such a great time every time we come on I appreciate it 